Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James Williams, co-host for the podcast and a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register. As always, I'm joined by co-host Josh Woods, a former UCLA linebacker. Josh, uh, the first game is in the books. A win is a win. You know, <laughs> it. I mean, it's the first one of the season. You got to get the rest off. Um, it might not have started the way we all hoped, but it sure ended the way we saw it ending. So um, a lot to build on, a lot to grow on. So hopefully we got that out the way and now we can start rolling for real. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of different factors, right? Especially with the heat, we can get into that and all that stuff. But there's going to be some a growing pain, some learning. Again, Chip Kelly is his own offensive coordinator, new special teams coordinator, new defensive coordinator and staff. So, you know, of course, like, I mean, the, what, what, what was the first game supposed to look like? I mean, these things are going to happen and... And yeah, I, I mean, there's going to be mistakes in every game. That's just football. That's part of it. But I think there was a lot of good things that I saw, and especially just like a lot of new, like just fresh names. Um, a lot of things that were just kind of different from what we're used to seeing on the field the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty exciting. But <laughs> if you're a Bruins fan, the first uh, quarter, yeah, like the first quarter, most of like the first half really, uh, you know, you're kind of on the edge of edge of your seat there a little bit. Did I don't think did were you did you jump in like in the, at the second half and you missed kind of because I remember so on we, Twitter you're like we what had <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah so the first quarter uh we had I was getting out of practice so okay. I, I like by time I um by time I saw the score it was the end mm-hmm. of the first quarter and we were losing yeah. um and of course I'm. I'm in the locker room and I got guys from Oregon state mm. guys from Oregon, you know, guys from all these other schools talking about, Oh, what's happened to UCLA? Da, da, da. Damn. I'm like, relax, relax. And then I, I seen <laughs> what was going on. And I mean, it was just, you know, miscues and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I had seen, we had a, a interception. Um, was it a muff punt? A muff. And the first muff return is Bowling Green scoring on that punt. It It, it was, it was crazy. It was like, it just things that shouldn't have happened. There was a lot of special team stuff on punt return. I'm, we talked about having a, a tall guy like Bobo as your punt return to begin with. And I don't think his size mattered here. Um, no. but, it, but it was just, I don't know if the sun was in his way. I think they had to call a timeout on the first time he went out there because they didn't realize or, or they forgot that they had two different number, two of the same number. So Bobo has to, they call a timeout. Bobo has to go run back, put on some random 87 jersey run back out there and, and i don't know he just looks weird See, the thing about that i'm surprised that happened with chip because that's something that he usually mm-hmm. um makes an emphasis on throughout the week and that was a reason why i didn't get to play a lot of special teams in my last year because mm-hmm. chip and them didn't want to go through with and the inconvenience <laughs> of having of yeah. having to put another jersey on kyle mm-hmm. phillips while i was out there right or right or have uh you know, if Nick Barmir was in for any sort of reason, right? Have to yeah. with me, you know, 
So situations like that, mm-hmm. I feel like usually Chip tries to avoid those situations. But uh, if they want to have Bobo back there, mm-hmm. it's something that they're going to have to get used to doing every week. So Chip, so Chip Kelly made the case for for that, like that. He said he so Chip took the blame for it. First of all, he took the blame and said that's on us as coaches for that. Um, and, and he said because the guy's a linebacker. And because he's going to play defense, I mean, not that he starts, but just, I think, I don't know. Uh, he talked about it like in the post game, but to your point, this is why he didn't want you on the field. Josh is to avoid every, every time, literally, literally because it just becomes complicated. Year, I would see fourth down me, me and Kyle point at each other while he runs on, I run off and mm-hmm. that would be that. Okay. But so like, you, but now so, if they want him, the other guy, the linebacker to be yeah. on, then and Bobo to be on, then you have to deal with that. Or you know what I'm saying. Usually, I thought you you find another linebacker to put on punt return, so your returner who's about to who's also a starting receiver on offense doesn't have to put on a different jersey. Um, yeah, no. So I thought that's that's good on you guys. Like you have the communication, you do the point thing. I think uh, <laughs> Bobo and and Chloe will have to kind of do that same thing there. But yeah, so that was like one of the miscues. Um, there was just another one where Bobo, honestly, what happened was Bobo kind of fair catches it pretty late. Like the dudes mm-hmm. are like within like 10 yards coming at full speed by the time he's kind of even waving, um, for a fair catch. And not only that, I don't know if he starts hearing footsteps or something, but it like, he tries to catch it, bounces off his chest and it, and it kind of just goes and yeah. So, so it wasn't, wasn't pretty from that standpoint. And then it just took a little while to even get him going offensively, just getting the ball to him. Um, not yeah. that there's anything wrong with him. I just, even though he did take a nasty hit on the fair catch, the late fair catch. Um, I think, I don't know. It was like kind of all blur. Like it, it's just kind of like, <laughs> it's just because of the way the second half went for them. It was so good that you kind of forgot all the mistakes that happened. Um, yeah. One thing, uh, for Dorian, though, he did not forget the interception he threw in the first in the first half. Uh, he was not thrilled about it. And even in the post game when he was talking about it, he's like, you know, however, he had two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. And we'll break some of that down here in a little bit. But uh, he said the only thing on his mind after the game was still kind of that that interception and that he's one of his biggest critics. Um, so, again, you know, people on Twitter on the bird app, they're going to be trying to criticize DTR. But DTR is like, it doesn't matter. Um, not that he said this directly, but he did say like he's his own biggest crit- critic in a way. So he's like, you know, in a way, there's yeah, nothing else no one could tell him. <laughs> he doesn't want to just be good. Like he wants to be yeah. great. So, I mean, mm. I know he wants to start being perfect and I know that's going to get to him. I feel like the guy that had the toughest day, Nick Barmere. Oh, yeah. See, and that was the other special teams. Yeah. Nick kind of had, had a bad two, day. Yeah. I mean, I he's he's a vet now. So mm-hmm. I know that like is probably, you know, first game flukes is going to be out the way and he mm-hmm. should be consistent the rest of the year. But yeah. Um, the field goals and then, and then that block punt um, to start the game off was kind of rough. And I mean, after that, like didn't, didn't punt anymore. So yeah, he didn't get yeah. to, he didn't get to make up for it. <laughs> right. But uh, Hey, I mean, the, <laughs> that's all good with him. I'm sure. To that point, though, I so when those things were kind of happening, I was kind of like, eh, okay. One, and I'm barely kind of thinking of this now, maybe the sun was in his eyes on some. I don't know. I'm not really trying to use that as an excuse for him. But it was just a new routine for him from a normal – because he's punting and kicking now. So maybe there's just some of that. Maybe it's just – I don't know. 
first game jitters yeah, yeah. too maybe i mean knows? i mean the punt one isn't isn't on him it's on the protection mm-hmm. that's uh that just needs to be ironed out and like i said like new special teams coach new scheme and of mm-hmm. course you're gonna get unscattered looks to the first game from an opponent you don't have much film on um yeah. so you know they probably had a a rush in their punt return protection or uh punt return coverage that mm-hmm. maybe guys up front that haven't been in a position we're unfamiliar with and it got through um that's just something to learn from moving forward. And like I said, things should get ironed out and handled with going to the next game. Do you think uh, they're spending an extra period on uh, on, on special teams? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the way because practices already are, like there's mm-hmm. a big emphasis on special teams periods anyways, and special mm-hmm. teams meetings. So um, that's definitely something that's going to be hammered in this week. And like I said, I don't see it happening again. Uh, so we could talk about some of the – some of what the guy said after the game, maybe any particular players. Is there any, are there any plays um, that you look back on that stood out to you or that you kind of, that kind of caught your eye? Um, one for me, uh, well, I'll let you go first before, because I don't know if you're going to pick the same one, but. I think more so for me, it's like the players that stood out. Mm-hmm. Well, I say the players first that stood yeah. out across the board. Like I'm looking at stats and also when I was, the parts of the game I was able to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorian looked good, looked good, of course. Yep um zach charbonnet looked good of course mm-hmm. the the dark horse on offense that was uh not surprised about but i'm glad to see him step up the way he looked was keegan jones mm-hmm. um that's right a guy go, that yeah. he's a good switch up uh from zach he has speed kind of similar to a cast mm-hmm. um has the the quickness and the shiftiness to him and um it was nice to see him grow in a in a role uh kaz of course being uh like receiver one mm-hmm. i don't know uh I, I i'm sure they're gonna bring bobo along more but seeing yeah. kaz have that receiver vet you know position was mm-hmm. was nice to see and then on defense uh it was good to see blaylock just like his energy, the way he's in on plays, you can mm-hmm. tell he's leading them. Um, like his impact is is clear out there. Uh, yeah, he stood out to me sure. the most on defense. And I mean, it, it sucks when you have a good defense. Uh, not everybody's gonna stand out statistically. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at if you look at the the tackle distribution, it's pretty even across the board. Like nobody yeah. like Kenny Churchwell, who had a big hit. That was one that, play I did. Like, yes. It, that on the, was on the hit. I wish I wish the the ball wasn't caught, but that was a a big mm-hmm. hit um, for me. Real quick, Kenny's name was one that I was. If you didn't mention, I was going to mention because Kenny's name stood out to me. There's I I don't know if it was just like in the third quarter or for whatever reason, but I'm watching the game and like I heard his name like four times. Like I'm just like Kenny's having a no, little yeah, game there was a over dri- there. Yeah, driver. He was. It yeah. was him. It was him. Like back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he he led the different the defense with five solos. Yeah. Um, also, John Delvons had five, four solos, and one assist. Mm-hmm. And then Mo had three solos, two assists. But I would say Kenny led it because he had five solos. Yeah. Um, but there's so many names on here that that contributed, um, on defense. And once it, like I said, they what they they held. Um, Bowling Green to 125 passing yards and 37 yeah. rushing yards. Mm-hmm. So it was like not not much going on. Like they 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 were consistent and shut things down. Um, really after the 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 first quarter of you know what was happening. One so 
one thing for me that I wanted to pick your brain about, and I kind of mentioned to you when we were talking on Twitter a little bit, was there was a there was a fumble. I forgot who caused the fumble. I think it was one of the Murphys. I think. Anyways, Darius is ha, recovers the ball and he and he scoops it up and he starts running towards the end zone. It was like a pretty long recovery, I believe, maybe like forty yards plus, if I remember. Um, I think, but I know he recovers it and everything looks good. And I'm like, okay, now, you know, the defense getting a little bit involved here on the scoring and it, it got called back because one of the defensive linemen, I think got like, he got calls for like a, some unnecessary block or, or some, some penalty that negated it and brought it all back. Um, what, what do you guys as a defense, what do you guys talk about when you have a big play, a big momentum play, regardless of what the score is at that point? Like, what are you telling the guys? Like, are you like, hey, like, like, let's clean up the mistakes or like, like what direction do you guys go when you guys are kind of like back in a huddle or something and, and talking about what happened in that situation? You're saying after we make a big play and it's negated? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Depending on what it is, like a situ, like, I mean, we're gonna say just go get another one. You know, mm -hmm. that should be always be the mentality or like uh, if some guy makes a mistake, like say a guy has a peelback block that mm -hmm. gets called or, you know, holding or something like that. You just tell that guy, like, hey, man, this is a mistake. I'm like, I love your effort and your yeah. energy. Just clean it up. You know, don't let it happen again. And just keep on pushing. You can't just dwell on that. At the end of the day, if you get the ball back, you got the ball back, you know. Mm -hmm. So it still needs to be celebrated as a, as a turnover, even if you didn't get the defensive touchdown. Yeah, I think even if it's not a counter for on the scoreboard and it is negated, I think it still kind of works to the defense's favor, right? Because you guys, you know, you did it once. You know, you could you could do it again. You like, you know, you're almost hungry for for that repeat of doing that again. So and I think just the unfortunate part about it was like Darius was already like so far down the field before the penalty, like when the penalty happens, it was like kind of way out of the way. Like it wouldn't have really affected the play, I think, at that point. But yeah, um, I mean, it, it would have maybe it would have been come across a, a little bit more costly um, depending on, you know, where they're at in the game or what the score is. But I think by that point, it was like way out of reach. Um, just real quick on Dor uh, Dorian on how the team responded from the early deficit. What he said after uh, the, or after the game during the post game press conferences, I think not only, um, I think it's not only about me uh, being through this so many times as a fifth year, but a lot of guys on this team have been through this as well. We have a lot of third, fourth, and fifth-year guys that have been with this program. They know how to be college athletes. They know how to be football players. When stuff gets hard, they're not going to they're not going to dwell on it. Everything they're not going to dwell on it and everything. Uh, I can't be more proud of my team. That just shows our maturity level out there on the field. So good stuff from Dorian. Um, yeah, and then and then again, just more from his comments. I I can't stop thinking about the pick. I'm super super critical about that. Um, making sure to clean up those mistakes. Uh, one of the other mistakes that he did have is he he fumbles at one point in the game, and Mafi of all people recovers it and goes into doesn't he play rugby? He like went into rugby mode and like runs tries to run through somebody and he actually bounces off of him but he picks up the first down in the process and everyone was excited for him dtr runs over there and and kind of congratulates mafia on on kind of making that recovery how how cool was that did you see that at all did you see that live or was that after i saw that live i tweeted it and and i sent a message <laughs> to him he gave credit to the guy that tackled him he said it got hit pretty hard but I he think did yeah. was, was was mm -hmm. rushing of just yeah. him having the ball uh and was just so excited yeah, and yeah, he plays rugby in the offseason, so that was probably 
second nature to him in a way, yeah. which is crazy how big he is. Right. That was second nature to him to get the ball and get going. No, because, yeah, usually, like, offensive linemen, unless you're, like, really the center, aren't really touching the ball. But when he picked it up, it was like – yeah, it I wasn't mean, like it wasn't like he 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 like he wasn't look like, he didn't look right and he didn't like it was, look around. It was great, yeah, scoop mm-hmm. and straightforward. Right. Get the first down, keep going. I don't want to say he looked like Zach Charbonnet, but he was moving. <laughs> um, well, going back to Casimir Allen, another guy that you mentioned, uh, I believe it's a career high for him or tied a career high in receptions. He had ten receptions for eighty-five yards and a touchdown. Josiah Norwood who just got put on scholarship literally like the same week. He has a nice little game for himself with five receptions, 63 yards and a touchdown. Um, so yeah, uh, DTR. Oh, um, here's what DTR uh, is this from DTR. Yeah. Here's what DTR had to say on Kaz Allen. Who? Oh, well, so he targeted Kaz 13 times and completed 10 of those passes to him. He says, uh, Dorian said, I'm just trying to spread the ball as much as possible. Obviously with his speed and what he brings to the table, it's hard not to get him the ball. I think coach Kelly is doing a good job knowing the matchups, knowing how we can attack the defense and getting him by him. He means Allen, uh, the ball. So one, just some things there. I think that's, it's nice to see just from Dorian's comments there that he's on the same page with Kaz, obviously, and, and recognizes that his speed uh, you know all, uh, he knows all this stuff already but uh, obviously um you know with chip because chip's calling the plays there's no offensive coordinator that's another thing reading that comment back now that kind of stood out to me um you know and of course i mean it's not surprising we all know what chip kelly brings on on offense but yeah just some good stuff from them 600 total yards on offense actually like 626 i believe in total offense and i believe that's the third game under chip kelly where they've had over 600 yards um and again, I think Dorian was like responsible for half of that, I think, or at least like 400, I think he had like 400 yards. What was Dorian's stat line? Uh, 30. Three... Yeah, almost four. Yeah, like almost like four. So yeah, almost 400. I mean, that's what you expect from a guy in his fifth year who's who's been doing his thing and has a lot of game experience. Um, So yeah, th- those were just some things for me that stood out. Um, I'm trying to see what else. Um. Yeah. Oh, again. Oh, so real quick, and then we'll get to attendance here in a minute. Um. So the reporters asked Chip Kelly after the game, "What were, uh, what were your main takeaways from the game?" And this is what Chip Kelly had to say: "Uh, just their, just the players' mindset more than anything, and how they respond to things. I mean, we'll wait and see. Uh, we'll wait until we get to the tape, uh, specifically to see what we did." I know that defensively, we had talked about being able to generate a rush with the front four when you are playing against a team that really likes to throw the ball. That was a challenge for us. I thought that our back end did a really good job from a coverage standpoint. I thought our rush got home. So that was my first takeaway, just how our defense performed. So, you know, Chip Kelly's calling plays, running and managing a team, the heat and everything else. But I think one of the biggest things in, in – as would be expected with a new defensive coordinator and a lot of new guys on defense, only two returning starters um, or full-time starters for, for whatever it's worth. Um, yeah. That was something on Chip Kelly's mind and he wanted to see how that side of the ball was going to do um, against an opponent that wasn't, you know, their roommate, their teammate or whatever. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think for what it was worth, I think the defense did pretty well for themselves. Um, 
there wasn't, uh, you know, I think outside maybe that penalty that we talked about that called that fumble back mm-hmm. there wasn't really too much where you said, mm, maybe the defense can do that. I think there was the, the one bowling green touchdown they did allow um, where it was off of us. It was like a screen pass. Oh, yeah. And that was just, I mean, that was a great play call mm-hmm. um, and just poor, poor tackling. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's a first game. You know, it was like some missed arm tackles, mm-hmm. miss, you know, and I, after that, I mean, they didn't make any mistakes. So I think like they got it out of their system. Yeah. Um, luckily, it's in a game that, you know, might not matter as much because you blow them out. But mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's something that the defense quarter wants to emphasize is, you know, no arm tackling. Right. Folks and folks on that for the next week and just trying to have less missed tackles going forward. And I think some of that too, and I think Bill McGovern kind of mentioned it when we talked to him earlier in the week, was they're you know they're not really doing a whole lot of like physical like obviously they're not bringing each other down in practice or anything like that. So I think that's a lot of what we're seeing is like you have to you know getting guys into the groove of like okay we're tackling we're hitting other people like you know not really yeah I'm like, don't hold hey, back. College football but... there's no there's no preseason so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when you kind of see it a little bit in CFL, NFL, like preseason games, or like guys right. who get used to like full on, because we, we've we never went live, we never go live during camp. Like some mm-hmm. some camps do, but majority pro camps, like you're never going live during camp. So right. I don't know. And I think my last year, which it, we didn't go live, not mm-hmm. one, not one practice. So first game was our first like live tackling. You know, what right. I'm saying like we did tackling circuits and bag like tackling bags and stuff like but you're not doing like oklahoma drill you're not doing the oklahoma drill anymore anything right (laughs) that's like a thing of the past saying like yeah yeah i feel like as the years went on and like it was like Mm -hmm. less and less live a lot more just thud you know Mm -hmm. and even like tag off periods but he would but chip would chip would let us know what the period was like is it a tag off is it a thud and then Mm -hmm. like you know we weren't really going live so gotcha i don't know what the process was this year in camp mm-hmm. but like i said it's first game so that might have been you know the first live bullets of that yeah. and that was the result of it but as the game went on the boys started started hitting so i think it'll be a good move forward and so now we got to talk about attendance josh <laughs> so again uh so last year for the season opener against hawaii uh they put up a set of banners that um there's like five, five or six of them. At least four of them sp- had a letter that spelled out UCLA. And that was, if I'm sitting in the press box, or even for you, if you're standing on the sideline facing your opponent, um, it would be on your left-hand side. Um, and then on the right-hand side, they added another set this year. Um, and part of that is just, you know, because I think, well, actually, was it before the Hawaii game? I think it was after the, I think it was for the LSU game. Um, because there was a lot of talk and even today on the radio on Sirius XM radio, they're talking about it again. Um, man, you know, Oh, it looked pretty empty. There's only 17 people in the, in the Rose bowl. So I think just from knowing, I think it started from the LSU game where they knew they were going to be on national TV. It did pretty well. They sold out or, I mean, I don't know if they sold out, but it filled out. Um, but obviously the tarps help clear some of those empty spots. So I think especially with the the three uh, the three games they have in non-conference where no one's, you know, it's not an SEC team. You're not really drawing anybody in. You yeah. add those other tarps. Um, you know, people are still talking about it. I think the final number was like 27, 27,100 
and 34, no, 143, which was actually a record low for UCLA in the Rose Bowl. But there's Labor Day weekend. It's over 100 degrees. Um, the, the opponent they're playing, for whatever it's worth, USC is also playing. There's a lot of hype on them. You have pro teams in town now compared to when this record was last set in like 92 um, yeah. So there was a lot and of factors that aren't getting talked about, like on the radio or in the national media. That school school's in, not in session. Mm-hmm. That's an extra ten to fifteen thousand yeah. off the jump. Hopefully, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and it's we've always happen. known that going in the games, like mm-hmm. one, we play in the Rose Bowl, which is one of the biggest stadiums, yeah, capacity wise. You know, yeah, not, like yeah, capacity, like you know, capacity wise, could... like there's. You gotta think like a school like Wazoo, where they like they don't even have full. No, you're right on both mm-hmm. sides situations like that where like well the rose bowl can fill like a hundred thousand people and and, and twenty seven thousand yeah. in another stadium yeah look, it, yes exactly kind of full that's mm-hmm. what i'm saying and and like people don't understand that and i mean the weather like that's what one of the hottest it's ever mm-hmm. been it's chip said that's game there's no yeah no shade mm-hmm. chip and said I that mean, was the hottest game that he's coached in we we also you guys know to have Fairweather fans. Mm-hmm. When the boys are hot, the Rose Bowl is packed. When the yeah. boys are, you know, people don't. So you know, we just need we need we also do need more ride or die fans. Mm-hmm. That is one thing I can say now. Now that I'm not there, <laughs> it's like we need people to be there, good right. or bad, hot mm-hmm. or cold. There should be people in the stadium. Like I don't care if it's in Pasadena and not you know yeah. in Westwood or not downtown. Like. Mm-hmm. It yeah, people should still be going out there, For and sure. also some people don't even make it from the parking lot into the stadium. I've also witnessed that. Why though? Why would you not? Tell, because they they can't make it out the tailgate. Oh, they okay. They just can't find their way inside. But yeah, there are yeah. some people that literally go just to tailgate and not go into the game. Oh, of course, yeah. I think I've heard like. It's like one of the better maybe tailgating experience. I think just maybe because there's like more room. Or, like I've never had trouble like finding parking and stuff. So that's obviously part oh, of no. it. Yeah, you're on the golf course. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. nice. But yeah, the, the the boys need more consistent fans from so, a fan perspective. This is from an alumni fan perspective. Right. This is not as from a player. Like as a player, mm-hmm. you know, you can care less if there's only, you know, just your parents in the stands yeah. or, you know, 70,000. It should be the last thing you're focused on anyways, right? Um, yeah. Real quick, let me see. Uh, there was, uh, did I copy and paste it? Oh, okay. This is what Dorian had to say um, about that. He was asked about it on Monday. He said, it's obviously, uh, it obviously is a little disappointing, uh, Thompson Robinson said, because we're trying to put the on the best show showcase for, well, we're trying to put on the best showcase for as many people as for as many people as we can. Um, but we try not to worry about it too much at the end of the day. It doesn't really affect how we play. We got to go out there and win the game regardless. Uh, we know they're out there watching us. And then Chip said, um, Chip said, I want to thank our fans for coming to the game. Uh, the fact that there were, the fact that they were there is a tribute to them. That's one of the hottest games he's ever coached in, as I mentioned just a minute ago. But something else real quick uh, came across my Twitter timeline literally right before we started doing this. Um, So one of the commits that I'm keeping an eye out for for this 
um, what are we, 2023 class is Roderick Robinson. He's a running back for uh, Lincoln High School or something in, in uh, San Diego. Yeah. Um, and, and he's a stud. He's been putting up like four touchdowns a game. Easy. Um, but he uh, his, I follow his father on Twitter. Um, Rob or Rod Rob Sr. Um, and I'm going to read you what he said. And I want to I want to know what you think about this. And now and now also I'll mention some some Oregon Duck stuff, too, I think. Yeah, Oregon Duck stuff after. Um, so uh, Rob uh, Roderick Robinson, who, who's the father, said fans ba- uh, fan bases are also important to recruit to recruits. Uh, no kid wants to play in empty in empty stadiums. I don't care who the opponent is or what the weather is like. The fans have to show up. Fans play an important role in recruiting too. Stop just blaming the coaches. Now I'm not saying he's knocking the fans or whatever, or I'm I, I'm not, I'm just reading what he tweeted. He's but preaching. What you, but what what do you what are your thoughts on that? He is preaching though. As a, I mean, when I was getting recruited at the time, the mm-hmm. Rose Bowl was like full. Yeah. Every 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 game I went to, the Rose Bowl was pretty full. Even the one of the hottest games I went to as a recruit, uh, UCLA's playing Oregon. They're playing Mariota. And I remember that stadium being full. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, it was Mariota and that Oregon yeah. team was nice. That was, was that maybe the year he probably won the Heisman too or something? Yeah, they went to the they went to the uh the playoffs that year. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember that game being so hot and we were all just like there were so many, still so many people there. And like as a as a recruit, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be in an empty stadium and feel like, dang, I'm gonna go somewhere where like mm-hmm. nobody's gonna come watch me play, or you know, where it's not hyped, or you know, all that type of thing. Especially when you're seeing all the fans that went to the SC game, mm-hmm. or some of these other big schools across the country that are playing, still playing nobody's, but having yeah. full, you know, full stadiums. Well, because he, uh, so the recruit Robinson. He stayed local and went to the air, uh, went to the San Diego State game because they were playing Arizona. And I think it felt they might have had 60,000 in that stadium. Um, I think they tore Qualcomm down and totally revented and re I don't know if they redid the whole stadium or they just like they did something. I think they tore Qualcomm down and rebuilt it to fit more of a college football, um, stadium. Um, but it's called like Snapdragon Stadium, and it it was like sixty thousand people. It happened during the afternoon too, um, but it was a local game, so I just think he goes there. He might make his way down to UCLA later in the season for a game. Um, but I'd have to, I'd have to find the context on why he tweeted that. I mean, I, obviously I know why he tweeted, but it's just like why he tweeted it on Monday and not um, yeah during the game. Or obviously he was at San Diego State with his son, but. Um, the reason why I mentioned that too is because <laughs> so Oregon got blown out by Georgia and there is a lot of talk about it. Um, today I was listening to a Twitter space on just like, you know, I, there's a lot of Twitter parent or the parents for some of these guys on the Oregon roster saying, Hey, you know, like um, pretty much like taking receipts, like screenshotting what fans are saying, like, you know, they're bashing their kid or whatever. Like same thing with, with LSU. Um, they had a tough loss. Um, they're at the end against um, who do they play? Florida state, Florida state. I was watching that game and LSU fans, boom, panic mode. They're in freaking panic mode. It was crazy. But um, 
yeah, they're just it was, you know, the some of the players are taking all the LSU related stuff off their Instagrams and the fans are talking about it. And the parents are like, social media, yeah, social media, dangerous place. It's a dangerous place. But some of the parents are keeping receipts on, on like some of the things, not even just about like what is being said about their kid, but just like what is being said about the team in general. And it's kind of like I don't blame the parents. Like it's the first week. Some of y'all hitting the panic button already. Like someone got to win. Someone's got to lose. Just be, I mean, be thankful LSU that it wasn't like Oregon and you lost, you know, it could have been a lot worse. You could have gotten blown out. So a one point game that, you know, it's a toss up game. I mean, sure. Maybe you should have won it because it was in your home state more or less, but. I mean, this can lead into what we talk about later in the week with the playoffs, but it, mm-hmm. one loss is in college football is a big deal. You know, yes, I think. It's one of the only like sports or mm-hmm. I don't know how you would say it. Where, no, you're right. Where one game determines so much. Cause you gotta think NFL, mm-hmm. NBA, even college basketball, you can lose games and be okay. Yep. UFC, you can lose a fight and come back and still be a champion. Mm-hmm. I think like college football and maybe like boxing or yeah. like a, one loss on the record, like, blemishes you're done yeah right yeah, right right they're done they're it's almost games. like yeah it's like boxing like pacquiao mayweather you lose you finally lose one and now you're a bum you're, like, you're, yeah your legacy <laughs> is done right so, you're tarnished yeah so like i said we talk about it more later on mm-hmm. in the week about potentially his college playoffs and then games like this past weekend yeah might be a little different yeah we'll we'll talk about some of the games and some of the other stuff that's kind of happening um I'm going to be out at practice tomorrow. I'm going to edit this and get this podcast up as soon as possible because we're going to be trying to do twice a week for you guys um, going forward. So like Josh mentioned there, we're going to be talking about um, the college football playoff expansion. Uh, We're going to touch on Alabama State and and having that HBCU come to the Rose Bowl. Um, I think it's only going to be 80 something degrees or something. So make sure y'all go out there. And if anything, you know, you're going to get a good show on the field with Zach Charbonnet and DTR. But I think the band for that for Alabama State's supposed to be there and they're going to put on a show. Um, so that should be exciting um, and just kind of sharing our overall general thoughts. But that will wrap it up for this episode. Um, this is episode 20, I think. I think we're on episode 20. Shout out to everyone who's listened. So for Josh and myself, we want to thank you guys and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.